Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com. Approximately 12 billion sanitary pads and 7 billion tampons are thrown away each year in the U.S. alone. And these products are made mostly of plastic. So Hital and Sharad Varani started Sparkle, making biodegradable and compostable period products out of waste plant materials, thereby contributing to a circular economy. Hital and Sharad go beyond making a positive impact on the environment by using a percentage of profits from every purchase to provide sustainable pads and health education to menstruators in need in India. Hi, Hital. Hi, Sharag. Thanks so much for, for being on the show. It's great to have you. Thank you very Thank much you for very having much us. Thank you very much for inviting us. Of course. And so... To get started, just to share a little bit about what it is that you do, can you briefly describe what exactly is Sparkle? So Sparkle is a sustainable pediatric brand. We make plastic-free, biodegradable, and compostable sanitary pads, which can go back to nature after disposal. We aim to reduce plastic pollution and supporting circular economy. I was shocked to know that the conventional pads contain up to 90% plastic. The absorbent core made with sodium polyacrylic, which is a super absorbent polymer, which is also derived from petrochemical byproduct. And since they are single use disposable products, which can use only for the couple of hours. So after they are discarded, they remains unchanged in the landfill for more than 500 years. And that's why we have decided to develop biodegradable and compostable sanitary pads by using sustainable ingredients, which are gentle to the skin and kind to the planet you're replacing a single-use plastic with something that is it is the sanitary pads are they completely 100% biodegradable and, and compostable or are there any materials in there that are not compostable so i think let, let, let us start with actually answering your question so in terms of the uh, uh breaking it down to layer by layer so the first layer if we compare it to conventional product versus uh, a sparkle product so uh, the top layer, we have replaced the poly polypropylene with the uh, cellulose-based fibers. The back film, again, from polyethylene, we have replaced it with the uh, uh, home compostable. So it's a TUV Austria certified home compostable granules. So the back film is also biodegradable, fully compostable. The central core, uh, we have replaced the superabsorbent polymers with the uh, cellulose-based fiber. So it's uh, uh, not completely biodegradable. Is It's still bio-based. It's uh, adhesive because... Uh, the technologically, uh, if we look at the technological advancements, uh, the adhesive technology has not reached to a point where uh, 
it is completely compostable. With that being said, we are actually currently working with the leading manufacturers. Uh, these are 100-year-old companies that are experts in this field, and we are actually uh, getting the fully compostable glue uh, being developed as well, which can be uh, replaced with the current adhesives. So we're pretty much trying to uh, change at the molecular level the chemistry so that you know at least we can make the entire product uh, fully biodegradable and compostable. At this uh, currently. It is around 96 uh, to 97% uh, except adhesive. So, but still, uh, you know, to be able to uh, qualify the product to be uh, certified biodegradable and compostable, you know, even if your product can reach up to 90% uh, of biodegradation uh, compared to, uh, uh, you know, your reference frame, uh, which is cellulose, so EN 13242 uh, certification, it is uh, qualified as biodegradable because there are. Uh, uh, some ingredients that we are, uh, it's, it's a limitation is the technological advancement as a civilization. So we need to work towards, you know, uh, getting those, uh, the tiny bits in place, and then we will be able to uh, go with the fully biodegradable and compostable product. Uh, and rightly so, the kind of the challenges that we're currently facing with the period product industry, and, and Hathal, you, you mentioned single-use plastic and a lot of it. So can we kind of in two sections, so first we'll talk about what that means for the environment. And then we can talk about potential human re repercussions as well of, of this much waste. Mm -hmm. So if we start with the environment, what is the current challenges with the with the amount of period product waste that's being generated? Correct. So uh, see, I mean, it's, it's we are all well aware of the world's population menstruates. And uh, if we look at the numbers, you know, I'll break it down into two uh, segments. So we'll first look at the uh, a unit. So in terms of the overall hygiene industry, which is we can for, uh, segment, uh, put, uh, we can uh, use it as the single use disposable hygiene industry. So it is around 532 billion products per year. So around the globe, when we look at the uh, all the sanitary pads, diapers, it comes to around 532 billion units. Now of this hygiene industry, period products uh, make up of up to 58% of this. So around 300 billion units are used and discarded every year around the world. If we break it down to two geographic segments where we currently operate, so one is India and the other is the North America. So in India, the uh, industry, the period care industry is currently uh, around 15 billion units. So mm -hmm. in India, every year around 15 billion uh, single use period products are being uh, used and discarded and uh, because of cultural reasons uh, uh, tampons or uh, reusables uh, are not that popular so majority of these products are actually uh, single use sanitary pads and um, uh, if we look at uh, uh, you know basic calculations so uh, average weight of a sanitary pad is around 10 grams and if we look at 15 billion sanitary pads uh, weighing at around 10 grams each uh, it results into uh, around 150,000 uh, tons of waste that is generated every year. And uh, looking at this number, you know, in India, in India, only uh, around 36% of the population of menstruating population of around 355 million have access to sanitary pads. Now, it is estimated that as the income grows, as the accessibility increases over the next uh, uh, five years. So by 2026, it is estimated that the, uh, the 15 billion units that are currently being used and discarded, it will be uh, almost double. To 30 billion units. So the waste of around 150,000 tons that is generated right now, it will be around 300,000 tons. So this is uh, only one country in India. Around 20 billion uh, single-use period products are being used and discarded every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of those 20 billions, around uh, 12 billions are uh, single-use sanitary pads. 
And we look at the amount of uh, waste from period products that is generated around the world. It is just uh, incredible because it, we're not talking about just hundreds of thousands of tons. We're talking about millions of tons of non-biodegradable uh, plastic waste that is uh, being generated from, uh, uh, you know, just one of the products that we might not even uh, consider that it is actually made of plastic. You know, these are the products that where you can consider it's like a hidden plastic, you know, because it's not really like a, a carry bag plastic that's screaming in front of you. It is sort of, uh, it looks like uh, it's like uh, non-plastic, but it is, it is actually like fundamental. It is a petrochemical derived product that mm -hmm. is uh, just causing, uh, uh, you know, a lot of plastic pollution. And this is what we uh, wanted to address uh, with Sparkle. Yeah, well, that's, um, those numbers are quite staggering. And, you know, to think of 150,000 tons of waste generated per year just from this one type of product, and that's from... Um, just one country, like in one India, country, yeah. and and not even, and and like you said, not all women even have access to the to the only thirty six percent, yeah, right, and so and that number is going to double, uh, hopefully, I suppose. Well, it's kind of a double edged sword, I suppose, because if it doubles, that means more women have access, which is important. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that more later, but, um, but that comes at a at a cost to the environment as well. Mm -hmm. And being said, what makes Sparkle's product so special? I mean, you've already outlined a little bit about how they're made. So without going, I suppose, too technical, but, you know, you, you saw these huge challenges and, and now you've taken some action. And, and so what is the innovation, um, I suppose, in a bit more depth than, than the intro? So unlike uh, the conventional sanitary pads, uh, which contain up to 90% plastic and that may cause the rashes and the irritations and infections. Sparkle pads are made from natural, sustainable and uh, renewable ingredients, which are soft on your skin and gentle to the planet. And we have designed Sparkle sanitary pads by focusing on uh, entire product life cycle, uh, starting from choosing the sustainable ingredients to the responsible disposal. And therefore, Sparkle products are also compostable, uh, which means they are designed to biodegrade uh, in humid and warm conditions. Thank you. And, and you mentioned um, responsible disposal. What does that, what does that mean? All right. So uh, see, as uh, I'll just add a little bit onto what Hethel was saying. So when we look at the uh, you know, environmental in, in impact uh, and overall uh, product life cycle, right? Uh, we uh, must consider, you know, when we design a product or when we're trying to address one problem, you know, we must learn to, as a manufacturer, you know, as a, as a, as a startup, we must learn to understand what happens to the product, not only while it's being used, but also what happens to it when it's discarded. So uh, if we uh, look at just uh, a brief overview of current uh, limitation of our uh, own waste management infrastructure. So I'll, if we look at India or even any, uh, uh, you know, in the US or the UK, uh, sanitary pads are qualified or they fall into solid waste uh, stream. So uh, what happens to it, you know, when uh, you discard a sanitary pad or, or a baby diaper, it pretty much goes through solid waste management system and then it ends up either in a landfill or it ends up in an incinerator, depending on what type of incinerator it ends up in. Because if we look at a well-developed incinerator that operates at, uh, uh, you know, around 900 degrees where products end up uh, actually reach complete combustion, where uh, versus, you know, there are some decentralized incinerator that operate at a lower temperature. So uh, the product does not reach complete combustion. And so that is where it uh, results in very toxic fumes. 
because mm -hmm. the petrochemical byproducts, you know, it is made from complex uh, 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 synthetic superabsorbents, uh, complex polymers. So uh, when it is incinerated also, we have to uh, ensure that, you know, what happens to it uh, at the end of its life cycle. Now, where there is no, um, you know, if we look at rural uh, villages or rural communities where there is uh, not really established solid waste management infrastructure. So where this is where either these products are, uh, 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 you know, buried uh, in the soil, they are discarded in open water bodies where eventually they will end up in land, uh, sorry, in oceans. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, when in the ocean, it will damage marine life um, as well as, you know, uh, through break it down into microplastics. We all know what happens to microplastic, you know, it sort of can also come back to our uh, plate uh, through multiple layer of food chains. So uh, uh, other than that, you know, if it, if you pretty much uh, in many areas, they, uh, they flush down the toilet, which again, then they reach the ocean. So the infrastructure, there are some limitation, but when we look at the entire product life cycle uh, and we look at all the scenarios, so starting from landfill incinerator or uh, looked at all these aspects and we, we came back to the drawing board. Okay, uh, we want to make the product by not only choosing sustainable ingredients, but also um, uh, ingredients that actually perform as well as the petrochemical ingredients, but at the same time, let's uh, see how they will react at all the different disposal scenarios. So if we look at, uh, you know, we actually uh, took the ingredients, we uh, one by one, we did all the testing. So we send the product, let's say if we take the first scenario. So if it ends up in landfill. So usually what happens with, uh, uh, you know, biodegradable uh, uh, products, uh, they behave uh, they pretty much biodegrade in a compostable environment, but when they end up in landfill, because landfills are very interesting. Uh, you know, there is uh, uh, no air, so there is anaerobic digestion. There is, uh, it's like when uh, garbage just keeps piling up, there is no light exposure. So there's no UV exposure. So there is photo degradation that doesn't take place. So it's pretty much, you know, it's like garbage that keeps piling on and on and on without even uh, excess of oxygen. So there uh, we have to design the product uh, where there is a lot of uh, uh, cellulose or things that can even break down in landfill in very, uh, 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 you know, stagnant conditions. There is no turning like compost, right? So we actually sent our product to uh, one of the um, uh, most reputed labs in, in Europe. They are the only ones that do actually uh, uh, landfill, one of the few ones that do landfill testing. And uh, there we uh, did a simulation where uh, we uh, do an accelerated landfill testing where the product can actually uh, stimulate how it will react in one year in being in landfill. So there uh, we realize that, you know, when we uh, look at, there is two ways you can uh, evaluate the studies as is absolute biodegradation in landfill and relative biodegradation to uh, cellulose sample. So with uh, our product reached relative biodegradation of around, uh, around, uh, uh, you know, 60%. And when you look at this compared to the conventional product, you know, it remains unchanged for 500 years. So this is a huge step in the right direction. And obviously the technology is improving and we are also continuing to improve, um, uh, you know, what we are, uh, uh, how we can make this more sustainable. So this is just one of the scenarios. And if we look at, uh, uh, you know, a different uh, uh, end uh, product and life cycle. So if we look at the incineration, for example, so we did a comparative study where uh, a sparkle pad is incinerated uh, and then uh, you do analysis of what type of fumes are generated, what is the emission profile, and then you uh, incinerate a conventional product with uh, uh, petrochemical byproducts. And it was even, I was shocked, you know, to see the results because uh, when you incinerate at, at 900 degrees, 
there was 700% more methane that was released, released uh, from conventional pads compared to when you incinerate the sparkle pad. So it's not just, you know, what happens, the nature has created these ingredients for a reason where you do a lot of complex modification, right? Uh, it just makes it difficult and to break down by bacteria or also when you burn it with fire, you know, it will just result in some uh, crazy uh, chemicals that we can't even pronounce, you know? So like when you, when we uh, try to choose ingredients, you know, we're trying to choose, we're trying to keep the things in the raw natural form as much as possible so they can break down by the natural, uh, uh, you know, nature's ability to break things down. Uh, so we've looked at the uh, incinerator, how it uh, uh, pretty much uh, behaves in an incinerator. We've looked at the uh, landfill scenario. And then uh, also since uh, it is made of uh, home compostable ingredients as well, it is also possible to compo uh, compose these products at home. And uh, in industrial composting setting, uh, they can, uh, it's, uh, they're certified to be biodegradable in four to six months and go back to nature without leaving any toxic residues. So industrial compost where the temperature is around 60 degrees, even if you do hot composting at home, it is very easily the uh, biodegradable. Uh, and even if you do, if you have regular compost at home, it may take a bit longer to degrade because it has bodily fluid and it is recommended to keep it for a longer duration, but it is still uh, possible to compost these products at home because the ingredients are chosen in such a way that uh, they are designed to biodegrade at around 30 degrees uh, temperature. So it's like ambient temperatures. Does that include the adhesive as well? So uh, the adhesive is the only ingredient that does not break down, but it also, we have done the testing as well. It does not have any uh, negative impact on the compost. It just remains inert. So uh, uh, out of 100%, you know, we are looking at only uh, two to 3% uh, of the composition that remains inert and it will uh, not affect the quality of compost. It will not hurt any of the microbiological uh, content of the soil. So all the, uh, like, you know, over 95% of the product will go back to nature. And the other couple of percent, we are still, we are not going to give up, uh, you know, and we'll go more into detail about our plants of uh, over the next 40 years. So we've carefully planned, you know, the 40 years of our life and uh, uh, we'll, we'll go into, you know, what we have in mind in the future, uh, just to get rid of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, that. It, it, it just bugs us as well that why don't we, why can't we reach 100%, but that is where the technological limitation comes in place. Out of everything you've outlined, I think you know. I think it, it sounds really impressive, and clearly, there's a big environmental, positive environmental impact. Um, there's this a concept that that you write about on your website called circularity, and I think some people may know about it, some people don't. Um, but the what is circularity, and what, what exactly does that word mean in this context? All right. So, um, see, uh, when we look at uh, the a product life cycle, you know, we can look at it as, uh, so I'll break it down into three. So we look at linear economy. So where you take a product, you know, take, make, dispose, which is the current uh, conventional products. We look at recycling economy where uh, uh, whenever it's possible, you uh, take resources, you make something, whatever you can recycle, you recycle. Uh, in most cases, it's uh, usually downcycled. And then again, it, it goes into landfill. So it's, it's a slightly better approach if and if the recycling is done properly, then it is, is a very good approach. But uh, current reality we live in, uh, uh, you know, even the most recycled products are only 9% uh, of them are recycled. So uh, uh, even in the recycling economy, there is uh, uh, it needs work to reach towards circularity where the more products can actually uh, recycled uh, as much as possible. And when we look at the uh, uh, circularity in, in terms of compostable items, uh, we look at this in a way where consider the circularity in ingredients, 
uh, and circularity in the products as well. So when we consider the ingredients, for example, so one of the ingredients we use uh, is, uh, is banana fiber, for example. So it is actually agro waste. And uh, uh, usually, you know, after each harvest, this, uh, uh, the stems are wasted. And what we do is we use these stems, we uh, transform the stem into uh, uh, absorbent cellulose fiber, and then we use it. So we, try, uh, we are trying to utilize waste that is not currently being utilized. Uh, when we look at the product itself, uh, uh, you know, uh, as we uh, grow, we are also trying to um, design a system where the product are actually uh, composted. So we have, uh, so far, we've come to a point where we've designed the product. We know that it is compostable. It can be composted at home industrial composting setting. And as we grow, we are also, uh, and we'll talk more about this uh, uh, about this later. But just to give you a brief overview, you know, in terms of circularity, uh, we are trying to build an infrastructure where we do. Uh, uh, just like when you re return parcel from Amazon, you know, so we are doing, uh, 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 we're providing this as a service, as a pilot project, where uh, these products are uh, collected. So the consumer, like, you know, there, there are some uh, very uh, eco-conscious consumers who are willing to pay extra, like, here, take my product and make sure that they're composted properly, you know. So we have done a pilot and we take the product and we actually compost that at our pilot composting site so that the product actually uh, goes back to nature, you know, and the whole circularity in terms of it becomes manure, it becomes a part of the soil, and then you know where the crop is growing. So when we look at the whole circularity in terms of product, it is about uh, choosing sustainable and compostable ingredients. Uh, once they are used, uh, again, uh, making sure that they go through the composting infrastructure, go back to nature. So this is what we uh, mean and what we're working towards, you know, in terms of circularity of the, the end product. Amazing. And um, what I really like about what, what you've talked about is using waste that would not otherwise be utilized like banana stems i mean uh what what happens to these banana stems and, and i'm sure you have examples of other waste products as well but mm -hmm. specifically banana stems what would what would what happens to them normally if you don't use them so uh see i come from a family of farmers so my grandfather is still a farmer and uh so this is where the like you know one of the missing piece of puzzle that i it took us took me a while to realize that okay this is something you could have done long time ago but in any case so uh, uh usually you know even at farm at our farm before we uh, started utilizing this uh, for making our products it's either uh, uh, you know after nine months uh, they're pretty much waste so farmers have to either pay extra to get them uh, out of their farm or they either burn them which uh, again causes air pollution so um, uh, they're pretty much waste. So it's, it's a hassle for farmers. So now that uh, you know, we have this infrastructure for fiber extraction, we've also collaborated with uh, farmers nearby. And then you know, they have um, uh, hundreds of acres of plot that is just uh, like our uh, fiber extraction unit is actually located at one of the biggest banana growing belt of Gujarat. So we are actually now collaborating with a lot of local farmers where they, we get their stems you know, and then uh, uh, trying to start a chain reaction because India is one of the biggest banana producers in the world. So once we have this pilots unit set up in India, you know, we're trying to uh, uh, replicate this model in different states as well, where we can utilize the banana stem. Uh, uh, it not only gives farmers some extra income from the stem that was uh, not being utilized, but also reduces uh, the waste. And then we uh, get to convert that into sustainable raw material. Now that is one aspect. Then the other is bagasse. We are doing a lot of research in terms of sugarcane. Uh, so bagasse for those uh, who are not aware, it's a sugarcane waste. Uh, that is a byproduct of sugar production. So we are trying to uh, uh, utilize that waste as well. So usually what happens to bagasse in the sugar mills, they are uh, pretty much burnt uh, as, a, as a fuel. 
uh, in their boilers or uh, sometimes in the crops as well, they're, they're burned as well. So we're trying to utilize this fiber as well and uh, trying to see if we can utilize this in, in the absorbent hygiene product. The other, another fiber is jute. So there are a lot of fibers, uh, agro-based fibers in India we're trying to uh, um, uh, work with. So uh, see if we can you know, uh, utilize the resources that are not being currently uh, being wasted. Yeah, and I think what makes a lot of sense about that is the win-win-win situation associated. Exactly. Um, the farmers win because all of a sudden they have a new uh, revenue stream, which uh, mm. I mean, in some cases, you, they used to pay to get rid of it. Now they're exactly. being paid yeah. to get rid of it, mm. which is brilliant. And um, it makes it much easier to source that um, mm. that resource. Uh, and then, of course, you and, and your uh, customers win because you're getting high quality uh, mm. products that are are better for the environment and, and better for, for health, which we'll talk about shortly. And then, of course, mm. the environment wins because you're reducing the amount of waste that's happening uh, in yeah. uh, in general. And so, uh, yeah, I think I, it, it makes a lot of sense. And so this concept of basically ensuring that nothing goes to waste unnecessarily um, and using all parts of, you know, just going back to the banana because it's an easy fruit to, mm -hmm. to uh, picture, um, you use every single part of the banana and none of it goes to waste. You're not just throwing it away. Instead, you're taking advantage. Uh, you're, you're taking advantage of the of all aspects of it and then once once you turn it into the into the period product um mm -hmm. and the period product is used then it goes back into the environment because that is also composted and so then you can in that using that compost you can grow a new banana which then goes yeah. back into the you close the loop pretty much it, the entire cycle you know yeah exactly and that's why it's circular because yeah and and i guess the the whole point of circularity is that we're able to just bigger picture uh, you know outside of um mm. outside of of sparkle just in general if we can find these kind of solutions for all products i mean yeah. think like every single product that i think that's the big challenge um, and it's amazing that, you know, you're focusing in, in this area. Um, but if we just think in terms of um, sustainability in general, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's a huge challenge. I mean, how do you turn, how do you make a computer circular um, yeah. or, you know, uh, other aspects? But anyway, that's a conversation for a, for a separate, uh, for a separate episode. So if we move over from the environmental side to the human side of, of this product, um, and there's two aspects that I'd like to, to cover. First, um, we'll talk about the health aspect. Uh, so there are two, two elements that I'd like to cover. First, we'll talk about the health side because you mentioned, uh, Hetzel, you mentioned irritation, and I, I know there's more more behind that. Uh, and then also the, the socio and, and sort of economic and, and cultural elements as well about of the products that, that you work in. So um, can we talk a little bit about, about the health impacts? So the first thing just, just I think worth mentioning is that um, I've heard at least that it's not very healthy to constantly wear or, or have petrochemicals. Uh, it's not very healthy to wear or have petrochemicals touching you all the time like so the idea of wearing like a plastic uh shirt or no one thinks it's plastic but if you look at the ingredients it's all polyester that's a plastic shirt synthetic yeah so that's not a very healthy thing um and yeah there's some irritations that come from that so can you share a little bit about the the health impacts of i suppose conventional um conventional uh period products and then we can talk about the the benefits of of sparkles 
when we speak about the health aspect uh, we need to uh, consider the few factors which is associated with it most conventional sanity pads which you are uh, you're getting to uh, the most conventional sanity pads that you see in the market today they contain uh, dyes plastic artificial fragrances and many other chemicals so that may cause rashes and irritations so when i uh, share my personal story i also used to get a lot of rashes since i have the sensitive skin and most awfully during the last few days of your periods while you have the very light glow and when you see the problem so the problem behind the plastic is this plastic is not a breathable so that that can create the sweaty and humid environment near the very sensitive and the very um, intimate area of your body and the super absorbent polymer that have in the uh, sanitary pads so this synthetic super absorbent polymer can create your pad long lasting but at the same time that can also promote the unwanted growth of bacteria in your pad and when we uh, we also that's why we have designed these particle sanitary pads by replacing the plastic layers with sustainable ingredients and so that your pet does uh, do not cause any discomfort to you thank you and and in terms of why it does not why sustainable products don't cause discomfort can you can you share a little bit uh, can you share a little bit about why using sustainable products or i mean we've been talking for some time about in the yeah yeah go so ahead so in the sustainable sanitary pads we are using each layer if we see the top layer that is made from the bamboo uh, bamboo fibers which is very soft and uh, as compared to the polypropylene versus bamboo fiber it's a huge difference so it uh, you have to make sure that the top layer of the sanitary pads that is uh, that come to the very uh, uh sensitive that uh, that 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 actually touched to the very sensitive area of your body so and again the absorbent core is a, a cellulose backfilm is also made from the bioplastic grades but the main part is the top sheet which is made from the bamboo fiber so cellulose versus as you mentioned this synthetic shirt if you wear versus the cotton shirt you wear right so the feeling is completely different mm -hmm. and and from the point of view of um the infections i mean infections sound awful and to think of a product that's supposed to help and protect and keep you you know clean um the last thing you would want from such a product is potential infections and so how does the the sparkle uh, sanitary pad prevent infections okay let me take that yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you look at the uh, the scientific point of view, right, uh, when we uh, look at uh, the, and you know, the, the causes for rashes and infection, this is after uh, I obviously see, usually, you know, I'll, on a side note, when I start talking about these issues, you know, I get the questions like you, you are a guy, you know, you don't get periods, how can you talk about, so this is a separate issue altogether, you know, there's nothing to do with sustainability, but uh, the, uh, what we have done is we've done a lot of seminars with gynecologists, you know, this is what I've heard. Uh, from uh, how they describe, you know, when they give the seminar. So usually the causes of infection from uh, what we have heard is uh, it's usually the growth of bacteria. And uh, so some of the reasons why uh, it creates, uh, 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 you know, the growth of bacteria is uh, how long you wear the product and if the product inside is uh, letting your skin, uh, skin breathe. So what happens is, you know, when you uh, have super absorbance, you know, 
what it does is it sometimes also wicks away the moisture because you know when you uh, have a pad with a very high absorbency capacity because super absorbents they can uh, absorb uh, you know the synthetic ones they can absorb almost 500 to 1000 times their own weight and some of the uh, uh, pads that are available in the market they claim it can uh, uh, you know absorb 200 ml of fluid entire cycle sorry uh, i heard 200 ml of fluid yeah so there are there are many uh, uh companies you know using synthetic super absorbents they claim that our pad can absorb 200 ml of fluid right mm -hmm. if you look at uh, logically you know the entire cycle uh you lose around 60 to 80 ml of fluid right and that is also not uh uh, uh it's spread it over like you know a couple of days so four to five days so when you are using a product with this much absorption capacity for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're using it from marketing point of view because hospitalized, you know, if this is not. Sorry, Shraga, it said, uh, you said from a marketing point of view and then. Yeah. So it's like uh, people are making these products, you know, with uh, claiming that it, it uh, I think I'll, I'll take it one more time. I think you froze now. So. So there are, there are uh, products in the market that they claim that, you know, they can absorb 200 ml of fluid. So when we uh, look at these high absorption uh, uh, products with, you know, very high uh, capacity of absorbent. Uh, so what they do is they can sometimes also wick moisture away from your skin. And, uh, uh, you know, when you, and it encourages you to use the product for a longer duration, mm -hmm. which is the, uh, one of the reason which causes for bacterial growth. And uh, that in turns, uh, uh, you know, like you're supposed to change a product every four to six hours, according to gynecologist, whether it is uh, capable of absorption or not, because that pretty much, uh, uh, you know, causes the bacterial growth. So uh, in, in terms of infection, uh, the main reason is one of the reasons is that the other reason is the rash is, is also how it interacts with your skin. So it's just like Hetalos mentioned, you know, with the synthetic shirt versus uh, you get, uh, you know, when it rubs against your skin, right? If it's like, if you see some of the products that uh, I was shocked to see, you know, like even if you touch it, it is rough. It's like, it's a dry net type of, uh, it's pretty much plastic layer. Just imagine uh, the regular carry bag, like polyethylene bag with a, a tiny holes in it. Mm -hmm. So that is the top sheet of many products, you know, that it's uh, called dry net. So just imagine that uh, rough surface uh, constantly rubbing against your skin. So that is where, uh, uh, that was one of the reasons that uh, caused, uh, uh, you know, in many of the surveys that we have done with the studies. So we have done, when we uh, do uh, our, uh, uh, you know, product trial with the customers, uh, we give them uh, 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 one product, which is our product and versus the other product. And then the, the comments that we receive is because of the rubbing against the skin, uh, usually during the light flow days is, is, is when they get rashes. And that, that is where the soft top layer made of natural fibers comes into, uh, uh, you know, effect. So, yeah, moving from the, from the health aspect over to the other side of hum of the human, um, question in terms of how, how your pads are, are helping people from a, from a socioeconomic and from a cultural point of view. Um, can you share a little bit about what the current situation is, especially since you've started doing your work in India? Um, what, what's the, you mentioned that 36% of women have access mm -hmm. to sanitary pads. So can, can you share a little bit about what is currently the situation and then how Sparkle Life is, or Sparkle is making an impact? So when we talk about the menstruation, uh, there are many uh, factors that we need to also consider, uh, such as uh, cultural stigma, awareness, educations, and 
not last but the least uh the excess of the sanitary pads so if india if we look at the figures uh around 36% out of 355 million uh menstruators have access to sanitary pads 70% of the menstruators they do not know about the menstruations uh until they get their first period due to surrounding stigma out of that uh surrounding stigma of it and if you see uh millions of girls they drop out of school just because uh, uh, after they reach their puberty we believe everyone should get the equal access and equal opportunities to reach at full potential uh, to work at their office or to 6% out of 355 million menstruators uh, they have access to sanitary pads and shockingly around 70% of menstruators they do not know about the menstruation until they get their first period due to the surrounding stigma out of it and uh, uh, millions of girls they drop out the schools after they get the puberty so we believe that everyone should get equal access and equal opportunity to reach out their full potential and uh, with our impact partners we donate sustainable sanitary pads and we also provide sustainable health educations uh, to all the people who are in need so that the young teenagers uh, do not need to leave their schools and we also collaborate with the ngos and schools colleges even hospitals uh, for spreading the awareness regarding mental issues health, menstrual hygiene by conducting the uh, education seminars uh, with the doctors and the gynecologist Yeah, I think that that work is really important and um and something that I'd like to learn a little bit more about the it's hard for me to understand and and this is partially because well, I've never uh it's hard for me to understand because I I'm I was born in California, that's where I was raised and you know, things are a little bit different. Um so can can you tell a little bit about why do millions of girls drop out of school after reaching puberty how how what is the cause of that see i'll let, should i take yeah, it yeah yeah take it yeah. <laughs> then i think i might be doing a little bit more talking it's okay or let's see to be very honest i'm i'm a chartered accountant i'm a cost accountant i'm in the finance part of this company really i she, do believe she's in a it numbers person yeah, you know yeah. so i just want to make sure you know you don't feel like i'm not letting her yeah, talk yeah. no no uh, it, remember this is he knows everything and i know about everything about in terms of finance you know <laughs> and the production <laughs> production yeah she's just, just here yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely it's however you want it it's it's how it's your company representation so i'm happy if it's just hetal i'm just i'm happy if it's just you shrug whatever you prefer so yeah totally your choice yeah. yeah see we want people to know the reality the fact and he knows better than me so it's better like if he knows and he speak about see it. usually what happens yeah. daniel I'll, i'll tell you uh, you know uh, even uh, on on air or, or even just as is still we are trying to find stigma you know from my uh, as a male being in the industry right we we are often told that uh, the representation should be uh, 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 you know a, a menstruator so like a female face right so that is where we are trying to find a balance where how far we push to a point where if i want 
he allowed uh, in a way that it should not. Sorry, Shraga, you said something about how far we push. Anyways, so this is not really part of the script. I was just talking. Okay. But anyways, gotcha. so uh, going back to the question, you know, maybe we'll have another discussion after the this thing. But so, uh, sorry, what was the question that we were discussing? I yeah. Sort of so the it. question is, you know, uh, why do millions of girls? girls hmm. So, uh, so I'll I'll also try to cover the next part of uh, the the question that is there as well. Like, what was the moment of it? Because it it sort of answers the question as well. So. Uh, uh, what we feel or what we have uh, uh, discovered from uh, a number of uh, NGO sessions that we have done, uh, a lot of uh, awareness seminars and pad donation camps that we have done, is uh, when, we, when young girls don't have access to pads, uh, they usually uh, stop coming to schools. Or uh, if we look at the uh, scenarios where they are, you know, they don't go out to play as often, you know, usually they use uh, just a cloth or, uh, or any other unhygienic method stay home because uh, if they come out to school you know if there is a, a stain or or some other cultural stigma so uh, it's pretty much lack of access has a direct impact on their attendance at school so when you know when you when they don't come to school for you know four or five days every month they sort of start falling behind you know in their syllabus reach puberty so usually in india sorry Shrug, you said um it just cut out um so you said when they don't go to school four or five days they start falling yeah. behind yeah so uh, and this is a uh, sort of you know and, and that's where the chain reaction starts you know as they uh, start falling behind in the in the school work uh, then the chain reaction of uh, getting good grades uh, getting a good uh, job getting mm -hmm. the the it's a full uh, uh, cycle you know that pretty much goes from uh, missing a few days in school to uh, to the poverty that cycles back into uh, you know having access to equal opportunity so just missing a few days and this i've noticed you know not only in india but uh, if we go back to my early days of why we started sparkle or what was uh, the first uh, thought because you know as a male uh, as 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 any non menstruator this is not the uh, you know the situation that we are really aware of you know as as me as well when we first started uh, or the like, you know, uh, and first I learned about periods was, you know, when we are taught in biology class, you know, or, or just when you hear uh, people talk, but like exponentially, you don't know what it feels like to menstruate, right? And uh, for me, the first time I learned about period was when I was doing uh, a lot of work with NGOs. So, uh, you know, right after I finished my engineering, I took a gap year to sort of unplug, uh, pause, rediscover myself, you know, so I traveled around the world. I uh, uh, lived at NGOs, I lived at orphanages, so I, I've been to uh, uh, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, South Africa, Vietnam, I've uh, spent uh, months, uh, uh, you know, just uh, at medical camps uh, spreading HIV awareness, and that was the first time uh, as, as a male I, I saw, you know, when girls and women don't have access to sanitary pads or period care products, what actually happens, and from uh, not just biological point of view, but socioeconomic point of view as well, so, like, you know, that was the first time when I was asking, uh, our NGO partner, uh, uh, you know, in, in Kenya, that why do we uh, see this uh, girls that, you know, not coming to school? And there were a lot of uh, aspects, you know, there was, uh, we're looking at uh, uh, low income bracket, but at the same time, you know, inability to purchase sanitary pads, you know, so that was the first time I saw that, you know, having access to one of the products that we would uh, pretty much uh, 
overseas because I grew up in, in North America as well. So uh, like for us to visualize this, it was like for me, it was a shock, you know, from both uh, uh, male point of view that, you know, not having access to this product can actually have this much implication. Mm -hmm. And as, as we were doing more research, you know, period poverty is exi it, it exists in not just uh, in developing countries. It exists in, in India, it exists in North America, it, is, it exists in the UK. So it is one of, when you actually, uh, 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 you know, try to see, you will see. It's, it's, it's that type of thing, right? So, uh, so that was the first time I, as a, as a male, I came across uh, what it is like not having access to period products. And then from there, uh, uh, you know, we, I came back to India. We met, I met uh, Hetal. Uh, actually, uh, we met in kindergarten since yeah. we were five, but we started dating in 2017. So that was, uh, so we go back to my early 20s where the first time I was uh, uh, hit with the fact that, you know, this is the implication of one product on so many aspects of, uh, of uh, a young teen's life. So like in 2017, we started our NGO and uh, we started donating pads. Uh, so we, what we used to do is we used to purchase pads from uh, third party manufacturers and we started donating them through our uh, uh, NGO called United World Foundation. And uh, so that is where we uh, first learned about the different layers of the product. You know, why does one product cost more versus the other product? So that is where we try to see what type of layers that are there. And, you know, the more plastic inside, the less it would cost. So when we were donating these products, you know, it uh, uh, sort of, uh, we are trying to solve one problem, but at the same time, you know, we are uh, uh, creating another one from sustainability point of view, right? So. Uh, that was uh, the first step where, uh, uh, you know, first realization, okay, now there is a problem that exists and uh, what can we do to, uh, uh, you know, solve this? And that is where the banana plantation and the, banana, uh, the farming background sort of came into the picture, you know? And then as we started discussing, okay, maybe we can, uh, uh, you know, create a product uh, that can address uh, multiple uh, aspects at the same time. And that is where uh, she also told me, you know, about the social aspect, about the health aspect, and uh, uh, that is where we uh, sort of started building the product, you know, one by one. In terms of, uh, you know, making a socioeconomic impact as well, uh, because uh, uh, giving uh, has been uh, pretty much one of the core uh, uh, central stone of what we uh, are trying to do or, what, or how, why we started. So uh, uh, we are trying to make an impact in two to three ways. So, for example, uh, uh, if uh, there are direct donations that we do, so uh, every... Uh, uh, month we have uh, these activities where we donate uh, directly uh, through the uh, directly to the NGOs, and uh, there are different activities where there are some NGOs where they are uh, uh, they want to participate, but they would like to uh, purchase the products at a subsidized rate. So uh, we are pretty much uh, providing them at a very low cost. So uh, you know they also don't feel that it's simply donations, and then. Uh, so there is a, a there are ways where we are trying to make it uh, pretty much as affordable or, or even as a, a much lower cost compared to the conventional products, so uh, more people can have access to sustainable products. And the other uh, area that uh, we are trying to uh, also explore in the next uh, months, and we have done a couple of uh, uh, collaborations like that, is uh, with. Uh, corporations as well. So there is a number of corporations where they're saying that we want to be part of what you are trying to achieve. Uh, we would like to uh, donate, let's say, uh, 5,000, 10,000 pads to these NGOs. And then so we are trying to, again, provide a, a very subsidized rate, pretty much uh, at cost, at, you, know, uh, you know, so uh, so this way, uh, you know, the more people, it's a collaborative effort, because uh, the first reason why when we started Sparkle was also uh, simply uh, purchasing pads and the, then don donating. But 
just donating pads is it's not a sustainable way in the long run you know so we need to get more people involved uh, until we reach this uh, equilibrium of uh, uh, you know getting the accessibility from 35% to 70 80 90% uh, so initially like you know even at this point you know our uh, when we look at the market segment as well we are trying to uh, uh, you know, educate people who are already using uh, these products and we're trying to uh, make them aware about the uh, environmental impact, about the health impact. But again, this is a very small uh, proportion of population, especially in India. Uh, uh, but at this, there's a, a large number of people that are currently not even using sanitary pads, you know. So there, the another challenge is the accessibility, awareness, education. Uh, so there we are looking at a slightly different approach through our NGO partners, uh, through direct donations, through donating at subsidized rates, uh, through our corporate collaboration. So there, uh, you know, when we're looking at the other 65% of population uh, where once they are using these products, then the sustainability come into place. So, um, so there are different layers of challenges as, as we were uh, beginning, you know, as it's a multi-dimensional problem. You know, you have the health aspect, you have the environmental aspect, you have socio-economic aspect, uh, you have financial aspect. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, trying to find a balance here and trying to, uh, uh, you know, bring in sustainability uh, while uh, trying to address all these issues. You know, that is where the challenges and that is where the opportunities as well, you know, from any company. So, uh, like when we look at these, uh, all the challenges, we're, we're trying to see, okay, for the uh, the customers who are already using the products who are uh, uh, willing to pay the extra price. I mean, they are uh, absolutely loving the product, you know, for those who are uh, still, uh, uh, you know, uh, struggling with the accessibility and the affordability there uh, we are trying, that is where the long-term uh, vision comes into place, you know, like making it as affordable as possible. So uh, the pricing is not the factor that is deciding. And again, as we were discussing, you know, that is where, it requires a, a collaboration, not just from us, but also the industry players as well, because we sort of our pricing uh, at the moment until we become fully vertically integrated it depends on the supplier pricing, right? So uh, again, we are trying to push this because in India, you know, with uh, current uh, production capacity we have, which is around, uh, uh, you know, a thousand piece per minute. So we are the biggest manufacturer of sustainable sanitary pads in India. And with that volume comes a uh, uh, little bit of leverage as well when we talk to supplier, because these suppliers pretty much uh, do their forecast of five year, 10 year based on what uh, the consumer wants and also what the manufacturer wants as well, because we are the voices of consumers, right? And when we go to the supplier that this is the capacity that we want to have. And then the first project that we have is one line, but uh, right now, like we uh, are going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're planning to have uh, uh, another line installed. Also, we are going to expand into other absorbent hygiene products. So let's say sanitary pads uh, have similar structure as baby diapers as well. Again, a lot of plastic that goes inside, pretty much same layer, you know, top sheet, back sheet, absorbent core. So when you start understanding these absorbent hygiene products as, as a whole, as a category, you know, like we, we started from sanitary pads and, uh, but there is a, a whole lot of other products that are pretty much causing equal amount of plastic plastic pollution and then all the supplier who supply uh, raw material for sanitary pads they are pretty much supplying the same raw materials to uh, baby diaper adult diaper maternity pad uh, under pads so all these products you know when you uh, look at the uh, from supplier point of view we're trying to push them you know to also develop products that are or develop ingredients for us uh, for them it's the end product for us it's the ingredient so like everybody's trying to make the uh, switch you know like we went to recent uh, a number of conferences and 
one theme was common, uh, which was sustainability. You know, like there's 20 presentation, every single presentation, even if they're producers of plastic, you know, there is a two to three slides of sustainability. So there is no denying that it is coming from the niche to a mainstream, you know, like eventually this is the direction the world is going in. And I'm very, uh, uh, you know, thankful for the millennials and Gen Z, like these, uh, the young uh, people are very vocal, you know, they are willing to pay the premium price. They want, they, they know what they want, you know, they want something that is uh, good for the planet in the long run as well. So these are, this is what is driving the demand. And this is, we as a manufacturer, you know, we're, we're conveying this demand to these. Uh... A slightly different question, just something that I always find interesting is um, if there are any sustainability leaders that you admire, or perhaps books or a podcast or a TV show or, or some form of movies uh, that you can re recommend that are either about sustainability overall, or perhaps something about the industry that you work in we have been following sustainability champions social media page since many years and that was a great source of inspiration and uh, amazing way to learn more about the people from the different globe uh, who are working towards the sustainability uh, we did the first post i think uh, you know back in 2020 or so and we got a huge response you know like we got messages from all over the world Amazing. So uh, Sustainability Champion was one of the very first uh, intro for us, you know, to uh, and even this podcast has been also inspiration. Like we are now going to use the uh, this medium as a, as a platform to talk to more people as well. Amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, we would love to hear actually uh, which type of uh, like we would like to hear your thoughts as well, like which books or which TV shows would you recommend? Thank you. Um, yeah, well, so from from my my point of view, one thing that I absolutely love, and this was, um, and, and also I really appreciate your, your kind words. It's, it's always um, really nice to hear these kind of things. Um, from, from my point of view, one in, thing that I find very inspiring is um, it's a book, but it's also a website called Drawdown. Okay. Um, and the concept uh, behind Drawdown is, is really the, basically the top 100 solutions that are currently available for us to um, mitigate climate change and to turn it around and okay. reduce the amount of um, reduce the, the amount of greenhouse gases that are being emitted into the environment. And the reason why I find it so inspiring is because it focuses on solutions, uh, which is very much what sustainability champions is all about. Um, we, we focus on, on people who are taking action to actually mm -hmm. solve the challenges of the environment and draw down. Basically their thesis is that there are, um, here are the 100 top solutions that are currently available right now, the technology yeah. that we have today mm. um, that can actually make a big difference in, mm. in, in pretty quick time. Um, wow. The interesting thing, and, and this goes back to something that, that you were mentioning earlier and that I was thinking about, but the interesting thing about um, one of the top five solutions that have been listed for the last five years, at least, or the last few years that I've been, that I've been following it um, is um, education of women. That's one of the top five, sometimes top three, depending on how you filter the results. Um, but basically the, the point is that when young girls and women have the opportunity for, uh, to be educated, it mm -hmm. increases their likelihood of having children later on in life and having fewer children. Um, and that's a really important part of the equation is, you know, population, mm -hmm. Uh, the right. amount of population. Yeah. And so the fact that, that through, um, you know, by reducing period poverty, as mm -hmm. you're saying, by providing 
equal access and equal opportunity for uh, mm -hmm. young young women to you know have the opportunity to keep going to school. That's a huge nice. aspect, mm -hmm. both societally, uh, not only society, from a societal point of view, but also for yeah. the environment. And so, um, definitely. See, if it just uh, just a one random, uh, like not random, sorry, it's uh, it's one statistic says uh, you know if. Uh, like it's uh, according to UNICEF, you know, in India, around 23% of uh, uh, young girls drop out of school after they, uh, you know, reach puberty. And uh, another wow. shocking statistic is when they have access to sanitary pads, 90% of the dropout rates uh, decreases, you know, so it's a, it's an effective tool, you know, it's proven that, you know, when having access to sanitary pads has a direct impact on, uh, uh, you know, girls uh, uh, being able to stay in school. So, uh, as you were mentioning, you know, it is a big, uh, and you know, there is a saying uh, uh, here as well that, you know, when you educate a, a, a girl, you know, educate a whole family because that will pretty much start a chain reaction, you know, to have a civilized uh, uh, society and the community altogether. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I, I completely agree with what you were saying. Yeah. And it's amazing how, I, I mean, that impact, you know, 90% mm -hmm. uh, fewer dropouts, ed educate an entire family, all of these things. And the solution is so simple. You know, and, and, and you're creating that solution and you're, you're providing it to people and, and you're doing, you have a, a 40 year plan on how you can make sure yeah, that yeah. as many people can access it, can access it as possible. And, and that's mm. really phenomenal. So um, on that point, what, what can people do uh, on a daily basis to be more sustainable in their daily mm. lives? And, and if you have some answers specifically in terms of how it relates to the work that you're doing, that's great. But if you also have thoughts on sure. uh, general, that's also. So there, there are many things, uh, uh, you know, everyone can uh, do. There are small things we can do in our daily lives, you know, that make, can make a big impact. From uh, a sustainable period care point of view, there are, uh, you know, sustainable sanitary pads uh, is, is one of the alternatives, but there are a number of alternatives that are out there. You know, the, if you look at reusable cloth pads, if you look at uh, menstrual cups, menstrual discs, so anything that is... Uh, not causing plastic pollution is is uh, is a win for from sustainability point of view. Uh, when we look at you know uh, for uh, non-menstruators or people from just the basic studies, like if you look at India, like 60% of the waste that pretty much goes to landfill, it's organic waste that can be composted. You know, so like and if people uh, uh, have the uh, passion and the willingness, that is one of the great options that uh, uh, you know that can be explored in day-to-day -day life. Uh, another one anything you know maybe uh donating it to nearby ngos or so just that trying to reduce Very sure. I, I missed the third one sure so like if we look at the uh the, the the clothes or shoes that we don't use anymore you know rather than just throwing in landfills uh perhaps maybe if they're in a good condition maybe donating or maybe using that for a little longer period so anything that we can do to reduce the amount of waste that is uh that we generate uh, is one of the ways to, uh, you know, uh, live a sustainable life. And that does not require going out of your way, just maybe a little bit of uh, changes in lifestyle that can uh, go a long way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I always think about composting as being one of the biggest activities, uh, mm -hmm. one of the biggest impact activities that people can take because, uh, yeah, most of the waste that goes to landfill is, it's it's food waste of some form it's you know uh, and and it's totally biodegradable naturally yeah i know and you don't um, need to do you don't need to reinvent or do any technological advancement it is readily available by nature you know it's exactly yeah just um and yeah the going back to that idea of circularity you know once you compost it goes back into mm -hmm. circulation and, and it can be used again for something else so 
Um, yeah, I think that's such a big opportunity and it's so simple as well. And it, I mean, you have to have the ability to do it. Sometimes living in a city, you just don't have the opportunity to compost. If you live in a really big city, there's yeah. nowhere to do it. But occasionally, if you look for it, you can find places mm-hmm. and, and ways to do it. So, um, yeah, I think those are those are a great uh, those are a great those are great recommendations. Um, now, as far as people who are interested in actually switching to Sparkle products and or who want to learn more about uh, the work that you're doing, the impact that you're having, where is the best place for people to go uh, to learn about it? To learn more about our work, uh, you can visit on our website www.sparkle.life. So our, our products are available in India through our website, Amazon and Flipkart. We are also going to launch our products nationwide through different offline chain stores in India in October this year. In the US, our products will be available uh, through our website and Amazon during the last quarter of this year. And we are also aimed to launch our products in the retail chain stores of US in the first quarter of 2023. So our products are going to be available uh, in October or November of this year uh, through online uh, uh, platforms. And then uh, I'm actually traveling there in September to participate in uh, Natural Products Expo as well as in, uh, uh, so there is a, a whole series of events that uh, are going to lead up to sort of uh, uh, like it's uh, so hopefully in the next uh, uh, couple of months, like we should be able to uh, be available through a couple of offline retail stores as well, as well as a, a, a number of online platforms as well. Amazing. Well, congratulations and uh, best of luck as you go for go prepare towards the big launch and um, yeah, wishing you the best of luck. So. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both very much for your time and for the fascinating conversation. I think, as I've mentioned, the impact that you're having from an environmental and from a from a socioeconomic and cultural point of view is is huge. And you're just getting started. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the next 40 years go Definitely. and where where Sparkle will, will go from here. So yeah, thank you both very much for your time and, and best of luck on on the journey. Thank you. Thank, thank you, so you so much. much it was for a pleasure. Having us. Yeah. Yes. Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com.